Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 380. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. This week's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I am bringing you a really special conversation that's part of a brief series that I'm doing together with my guests. So before I tell you about what we're doing, I just want to tell you about my guests. My guest today is Linda Tai. Linda Tai, LMSW, goes by the pronouns she, her is a trauma therapist who specializes in cutting-edge brain and body-based modalities for the healing of complex developmental trauma. As an educator and consultant, she is gifted with the capacity to contextualize, synthesize, and communicate com- complex and nuanced issues pertaining to the impact of oppressive systems upon identity, mental health and well-being, and the invisibilized wounds of racial trauma and attachment trauma. Linda is passionate about breaking the cycle of historical and intergenerational trauma at the individual and community levels and deeply believes in the healing power of coming together in community to grieve. Born in Vietnam, raised in Australia, and now living in Alaska, Linda is a former child refugee who is not only redefining what it means to be Vietnamese, to be Australian, and to be a United Statesian, as she calls it, She's redefining what it means to be wounded and whole and a healer. And that beautiful description barely scratches the surface, in my opinion, of how it feels to be in conversation with her. So Linda actually had this idea, which is beautiful, and I was open to, to 
do more than one interview together where we talk and she follows kind of my process of moving through this grief journey that I'm on right now. Of course, I'll be on this journey for more than three podcast episodes, but in this first conversation, which was just a couple of weeks ago, we talked while I was in the midst of feeling it all, having just recently returned from the funeral of a loved one who passed away in March. And Linda met me there where I was emotionally and, and somatically and spiritually in that moment. And we talked and we had a beautiful conversation, which you really will have to see to fully appreciate. And it will be released on video, but initially you'll only be able to hear it. And I hope it really comes through to you how poignant and moving the experience was. And the reason why we are doing this for you instead of just for me alone or, you know, the reason why we're sharing this outward is because everyone experiences grief. And Linda believes that grief is a beautiful teacher and transformational. And I'm leaning into that belief as well, but it's a newer idea for me. So one of the things that um, comes through in this episode is that we, uh, we did, we worked somatically a little bit and it gives you one, a view of what that could look like in a therapy session. I mean, Linda's not my therapist and we weren't doing this in that form, but if one were to participate in somatic therapy, it could look like this and it could feel like this and what comes up for me could come up. So I'm you, you're me. We're all just humans on this journey of life and I, we don't all have the same experiences, but we have the same heart and souls and mind, body, and spirit that feels grief, feels pain. And when you've experienced developmental trauma as I have, Linda has, and almost everyone has in some form, whether it's to the, what people would consider to be to the extreme or things that people don't even feel would qualify as trauma, as I thought for a very long time about myself, hopefully this can be beneficial. And, and if you have wanted to, you know, understand more how grief can be transformational, I hope that these interviews that we'll be doing and releasing all in order in a row will, will share some of that for you. So this week was the first one. And we will be, we intend to be recording another one this week and another one next week and releasing them next week and the following week. So you're kind of coming along almost in real time with me on this journey. And it was a beautiful experience for me. And I hope it will be a beautiful experience for you. So come along with us for this beginning point in my early stages of my current acute grief journey. Of course, I have much grief from the past that plays into it as well. That's the 
confusing and beautiful thing about trauma and developmental trauma that as you move through your life, you're continually visited by opportunities to heal what happened in the past. And you can try to push it away and you can try to not feel it and avoid dealing with it. And if that's what you need to do, that's where you are. No judgment. Each, it keeps coming back. It keeps coming back. So you will continually have more opportunities to revisit the the potential for healing. I didn't like it when my therapist said that to me, but now I understand it's not like a curse. It's just a natural process. And it's really the way that our bodies and our our body, mind, and spirit are moving toward healing always. So even though it might feel like it's painful because your system is continually saying, hey, there's something here that needs attention. It's also, every time it comes back, it's an opportunity to shift it away from something that you can't tolerate to something that you're ready to face. There's no quick fixes in healing developmental trauma, but there are ways to access healing through the body that are deeper access points. So in a way you can get there more quickly, but it's not always right for where you are to get there quickly, even though part of you might wish that it were. In case you've never heard this before, for many of us, trauma, for most people, trauma gives you a um, confusing message between urgency to make the discomfort and pain go away and other parts that are protective that are saying, this is not something that I'm ready to feel. And, you know, there's a balance where you're, you're wanting to work on it, but you don't want to get overwhelmed and flooded and it's individual to each person. So working with a trauma therapist can be very beneficial. And if you are a therapist, Working with clients brings us continuous opportunities for healing these wounded places in us. And if we don't want to look at those places, we risk unconsciously doing harm. I say that a lot, but it's true. And I say that with love and without judgment. But if we do harm, we do harm. So, as whether you're a therapist or not, when you're walking through life unconsciously, you're likely to reenact your wounds in your relationships and you will experience harm to yourself or others as you're not working through those unconscious things. And then as you, as you heal, you'll, you'll learn to do things differently. So if we are people who are in the helping professions, whether physicians, nurses, physicians, assistants, nurse practitioners, physical therapists, OTs, all the different people involved in healthcare, physical healthcare and mental healthcare, therapists, counselors, marriage and family therapists. If we are not conscious in our work with our clients, we risk doing harm to ourselves and to them. That is the reason that I believe so deeply in the importance of therapists and all healers, yoga teachers, 
massage therapist, doing your own work, whatever form that takes to heal those wounds that you are carrying consciously and unconsciously, even ancestral wounds that you're carrying, which are mostly unconscious ways that we repeat patterns. If you looked at my family, you would see great-grandmother, grandmother, mother, me, my sisters, repeating patterns. I'm sure it's true in your family in some form as well, if you really look at it. And cycles can break. It's like when you hear someone say, my mom had me when she was 16 and I swore I wasn't going to get pregnant when I was 16, but I did. It's like, it's not fate. It's a pattern that somehow repeats unconsciously and we can break those cycles. And how do we do that? By healing those wounds, especially the unconscious ones, which are, you know, whatever you call it, whether it's dissociation that's protecting us from them or just not being conscious, not being aware, that's very real. So for me, I've been working on healing these wounds for just about as long as I've been working with people as a counselor and therapist before I was uh, in, even finished with undergrad, I was working in a counseling role. And that's where I did my first work with sexual assault survivors. So yeah, you might have heard me on some other podcasts talking about how when I was first going into this field, I thought, you know, I was told you should find out what your issues are so that you can heal them so that you won't cause problems with your clients. And I, I had no idea at all that I had any trauma or any issues at all. I thought I was just fine. I had no, no inkling. And it took a lot of uncovering defenses to find out what was even there first, then start working with it. And it's been just under 20 years that I've been doing that healing journey. Just under 20 years. If I knew then what I know now, I would have started in a different place. Although I can't, I can't say that the way my journey went was wrong because it all worked out to, to bring me to this point. So I just have to believe that it was the right way, that this is my path. But now we know ways to work with trauma and we know more, we know so much more about trauma, even in the mainstream than, than what was known in the general public at the time when I started working on this. So if you're looking for healing, if you're ready, know that Trauma Therapist Network is a resource for you to find a trauma therapist. People like Linda Tai, Akila Riley Richardson from last week. All of our therapy chat guests are healers and I am now offering coaching as well. So if you were interested in working with me, you can find out about that at the link in the show notes. I'm coming at this work from the perspective of someone who is on the journey right along with you. I know a lot. I have experienced a lot over the years about trauma and healing trauma and I'm not putting myself above anybody I'm working with to think that I have all the answers. But if that's something you're looking for, the link is in the show notes. And certainly, Linda, if you're a, a therapist, um, Linda's trainings and 
teachings are extremely invaluable. And again, Akila, who was last week's guest, has the course that's starting just about next week and will be recorded if you can't join live. So, um, and there's a link to join her course in the show notes as well. So I hope that this conversation is valuable for you. And I look forward to hearing your feedback and sharing the second part with you next week. And then the third part after that is all goes as intended. Thanks so much for listening to Therapy Chat. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I'm here with Linda Tai, and I'm so pleased to be speaking with her, maybe for one of a few different conversations, I hope, if all goes according to plan, because you know that plans don't always go as expected. We know that. But if that if that works out, it will be so beautiful. So let's start off, Linda, please, by you just telling the audience a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what you do. Thank you, Laura, for the warm welcome. So I'm Linda Tai. I was born in Vietnam, raised in Australia, and these days I live in Fairbanks, Alaska, the unceded lands of the Tanana Athabascan peoples. And I'm a former child of refugees, so my family sought refuge at the end of the Vietnam War, and we fled one of the Vietnamese boat people, lived in a refugee camp, and we're really fortunate to be sponsored into Australia under a pilot rural resettlement scheme. And yet, particularly in my 20s, I've struggled with, I struggled with addiction and with mental illness, and I thought that there was something wrong with me, and I learned about trauma after I worked through my addiction recovery. And then in recent years, I've begun unpacking the impact of what happened to us as a family and as a peoples. And to recognize that there are so many areas in modern mental health that overlook the needs of refugees and immigrants, aspects of mental health that have come a long way in terms of trauma therapy. And yet what I've come to to experience through my own experience of, of healing is that you can't do trauma without doing grief. And so it's actually a rather magical confluence to be with you today, given the circumstances of your life currently, Laura. Yeah, thank you. Yes. So we were chatting a little bit before we started recording about how I'm going through personal grief right now and I'll get tearful but we lost a family member and even in that even in what you just said about your experience and how what happened affected your family and how You know, what happened to you, what happened to your family, what happened to your people is such a huge, to understand that impact is such a huge part of the healing. And even within our family, which has been 
in the United States since the early 1900s, at least, um, depending on which part. It was really something I was even talking about and thinking about after, as we were sitting together after the funeral, about how destructive the immigration experience was to the fabric of this family before, long before we were born, and how their experiences caused them to detach from not only their home country, but their the community that they came to and, and the mistrust of different groups based on efforts to assimilate and then, but how it, it's really through the generations been deeply destructive, that trauma and the grief of what was lost, the culture that was lost. You know, there's because so culture much. Is, because culture is identity. Yeah. Yeah. Culture is identity. And we forge ahead by trying to find others who can inhabit a new identity with us. And yet part of a survival imperative is to assimilate. And so some of us never got to cultivate an identity that we never got to have. Right. And so it's such an ambiguous, complex, and nuanced, weighty, weighty, weighty loss that goes unspoken. Yeah, and it's, it is unspoken. And so even when you, sometimes, I don't know about for you, but, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but sometimes when you try to even get other people who share that experience to relate to what what was lost and how I didn't expect to cry through this whole thing, but maybe I'll get, get myself together. It doesn't matter. But, you know, people who know me talk with me through me crying a lot because that's how I am. I'm very emotional. <laughs> but anyway, when you try to talk about that with other people, even if it's their shared ancestral experience, they may not relate to that, those concepts. And then you know, that kind of can make you feel isolated. Yes. You know, the strategies that keep us alive keep us from living. And so the survival imperative for all refugees and immigrants is keep moving forward no matter what. And so there are so many aspects then of unresolved losses. And we typically frame loss in modern society as something that I have or had, and now it's no longer here. And yet with ambiguous grief, there are many layers to it. And one of those layers is I didn't get something. And the not getting of that has left a pervasive emptiness, loneliness, unnameable missingness of something that I never got to experience and so I'm missing something and I'm missing something and it's such a conundrum to miss something that you can't name 
It brings to mind adoption too, like adoption at birth, where you, especially transracial international adoption, where people, it's the same process, I guess, of losing connection with a culture that they never knew in here, but they somehow do know, feel in here. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's also losing someone to addiction or mental illness or dementia, and yet that person's still alive, but they're not the person that you expect or knew or anticipate or remember. Yeah. I got some of that. I got some of that I'm working with too. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I so appreciate just already mm-hmm. what you're just putting into words so much. Yeah, it's important to slow things down so that we can name things because we can only grieve and mourn something that we can name. And going through the process of grief as amorphous as what the loss may feel, can actually then allow us to name that which we couldn't name prior to going through the process of grief. Yeah. You know, I often look at trauma as extreme loss. Extreme loss. And it can be loss of a person or a place or a behavior that you're giving up and yet any attachment loss is going to land for the nervous system as traumatic because it's a rupture in our fabric and there's then a shift in our worldview and all forms of trauma involve a loss because of that shift in a worldview my my sanity my sanctity my sense of wholeness my sense of trust in the world, right? That's extreme loss. And we need to mourn that. You know, I just think right now, yes, as I said to you when we were talking earlier, I'm going through an, an acute loss right now because there was someone I loved who passed away. And in... Before that happened, I've been dealing with this ambiguous loss with two different parental figures in my life who have dementia with combined with the therapist. We've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh, my gosh. Did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy Notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used Therapy Notes for six years, and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is, if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code CHAT to get two free months. 
challenge of other people in our lives not understanding that, which just is, you know, again, that like, this is happening. I see it's happening. You say it isn't happening. And that just it makes it more confusing and adds a layer of challenge to it. And then, you know, and then there's like the childhood loss of the attachment wounds that, you know, weren't things that happened or didn't happen that were needed, things that didn't happen that were needed or things that did happen that weren't what was safe. And so then there's, I don't even know what I would say about the amount of community, the loss of community in our Western culture. And then there's the pandemic and, and everyone who has these intangible losses that I think are just beginning, just beginning to glimmer into many people's awareness of, wow, that really happened. And, and a lot of people are saying it didn't happen, which is, you know, isn't there an interesting parallel here? How I keep bringing up, you know, people saying something's not happening that I'm saying is happening. But just noticing myself following that track again and again. And it's disorienting. Yeah. It's disorienting. I mean, it's important that we name that we live in a grief phobic and a loss phobic and a feelings phobic society. And for some of us, we live in a grief-phobic, loss-phobic, feelings-phobic family system, community system, perhaps religious systems. And so this adds even more disorientation when you're going through acute grief because it's an acute traumatic loss. And so your nervous system is going through all of the symptoms of acute loss which are the same as the symptoms of acute trauma. Your nervous system is all over the place, hypo and hyper. Your sleep patterns are all over the place. Your energy regulation systems are offline. You don't know what you need. You're not connected to your body, to thirst, to hunger, to appetite, to sleep, to your needs. There are elements of depersonalization as well as derealization. Yeah. As in, you're not connected to your body, but there's also a disorientation from the environment, where you are, who you're with, the time of day, the time of year, what year it even is. You might be flip-flopping back and forth between parts of self. Mm. You know, you might have child parts that are coming forward, flooding the system. And then the managers, the protectors, the firefighters might then be working overtime depending on the systems that are around you, you know, to support you through what you're going through. Because you might be the person that's helping everyone else in the family to move through all of this. And then in amongst all of that, there is... What I'm hearing in you, Laura, is a deep call from the soul. 
Yeah. To, I'm sorry, I'm struggling to find the words. Francis Weller's words come to mind. He wrote The Wild Edge of Sorrow. Yeah, it's a call to apprentice oneself with sorrow. Yeah, to become an apprentice to sorrow. You know, there's Kairos and there's Kronos. Kairos is soul time. Kronos is clock time. And grief operates on soul time. And so for many of us, we may have experienced losses throughout our lives, but it wasn't Kairos. And you're experiencing the soul time for grief. That feels true. Yeah. And so Francis Willow talks about this as a walk through the underground of oneself and one's psyche and the collective experience of what it means to be human, which is to mourn and to celebrate the melancholy thread that weaves its way through all things. It's to deeply dance with impermanence as that which provides the magic. Running a group private practice has been a challenging and rewarding experience. And one thing that has made it so much easier is Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. If you're coming from another EHR, like I did, Therapy Notes makes the transition incredibly easy, importing your demographic data free of charge so you can get going right away. My team has found Therapy Notes very easy to learn. It's intuitive. The customer support is second to none. And that's one of the things that has kept me a Therapy Notes customer for several years now. Anytime I've needed to contact Therapy Notes for help with an issue I couldn't figure out on my own, I've been able to get through to someone and resolve the issue within 15 minutes, 99% of the time. Find out what more than 100,000 mental health professionals already know. Try Therapy Notes for two months absolutely free. Just click on the link in the show notes or enter the promo code chat at therapynotes.com. I've never thought about impermanence as something that provides the magic. I just thought about it as like an inconvenient fact. <laughs> something to accept, but not like. But you know, it's, 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 you know, part of the practice is radical acceptance. You know, in some of the little moments when you were sharing about your current situation, what I was hearing was denial and avoidance. And as therapists, we know that working with denial and avoidance is 85% of therapy, right? And yet we need to also acknowledge that they were survival strategies. Yeah. There's a very good reason for those strategies to be there. Yeah. Yes. And states become traits, becomes identity, becomes culture. And so every culture has words for suck it up, stuff it down, keep moving forward. And to recognize that what we consider to be criteria for dysfunctional families, don't talk, don't trust, don't feel, are actually survival strategies under fascism, under communism, under any sort of oppression that says deny who you are and where you've come from. And your family needed to do that. 
Yeah. It just becomes decontextualized over time. Yeah. But then when you are mourning to, or you want to be mourning together, so maybe this is a child part, you want to be mourning, connecting, and comforting one another, and really trying to support one another through the loss. I'll say this, when my grandmother, who was a very, very important attachment figure to me and all of my siblings, when she passed away, and this was 18 years ago, actually 19 years this month, she, her loss, we all kind of retreated from one another. We came together, but we didn't connect. It was like we were each in these little and my mom. So there were the four siblings and one, my mom, all just in our individual little silos of grief. And I, I turned toward what I considered to be my support system at the time and the therapy that I was already in at the time. And I mean, I, I happened to have already been in therapy when the loss happened. So it was fortunate that I was able to just incorporate that into therapy but it was it kind of felt different maybe maybe there's some other dynamics that relate to that but you know here it feels like we could support one another maybe it's just me wanting everyone to support one another but Each person's own way of coping is kind of prevents them from connecting. So it's really the same. It's just a different. We withdrew and just sort of left each other alone. And in this situation, it's it's a little more of a kind of chaotic and high conflict <laughs> group. Grief <laughs> painful. Yes. But when there's been a trauma history, we then go to our trauma survival strategies. Yeah. Which is to isolate, withdraw, retreat, or lash out. Yeah. 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 Or we mask up. And so it sounds like you're not just experiencing collective grief, you're experiencing collective grief, <laughs> grief that has bioaccumulated over time mm. that you don't have a container for in terms of ritual, in terms of relationality, in terms of other protective factors. And it's now expressing itself as lateral violence. You are picking up what I'm putting down. You're getting it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Would it be okay if in this moment you could take in just a little bit of that, that I'm, I'm getting it? Yeah, I do. I do feel grateful when you are naming what you're naming. It's like my system is going, yeah, that's it. That's it. But it's not just my, this, it's, it just feels like the lateral violence. I mean, that. And this is so common 
in under-resourced families mm-hmm. when there's an acute loss of someone who held the family together, whether it was in functionality or in dysfunctionality or a combination of both. Because we know that in dysfunctional families, that homeostasis collusion is a survival strategy. It's not a pathology, it's a survival strategy. And so is impaired mourning because the family system doesn't have the individual or communal bandwidth to be able to hold spaciousness for the individual needs of the members of the system in such a way that enhances the elasticity of the system and the responsivity of the system. Mm. And then we develop roles within that family and yet each individual somehow experiences the sense of there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's, it's like, you know, and I think being a therapist is helpful in some ways because, I mean, a lot of therapists I know are like, oh, you know, I'm the one who takes care of my whole family. And I'm like, hmm, I'm not. Why don't they like me enough for that? But <laughs> and I'm also saying, thank goodness, I don't have to <laughs> grapple with that you know, urge, but it feels like you can see the dynamics and you can see the reactions and have compassion for each person's pain interfering with their ability to fully grieve. Although, as I think about it, it's like in that moment, just because they're not there in that moment when I want them to be doesn't mean that they're not where they should be, you know? Yeah. It's not their Kairos time yet. Mm. You know, know, this is the drama triangle. Mm -hmm. And for some of us, fight, flight, fix is how we survived. We learned to fix. Yeah. And yet for some of us, like in your situation, Laura, you managed to step outside of that. And yet we can then experience the, the guilt, the shame, the blame of being the bystander who does nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether that's projected onto us or whether that's something we've already internalized. And yet to move through that so that we can be healthier can be such a challenge when when or if fixing has been how we have survived or the role that we took on in order to help the family to survive Mm. yeah i'm beginning to wonder about some of my own (laughs) patterns as we're talking which is Good to wonder about. Yes. You know, on a more deeply humanistic perspective, when I'm with my clients and I've like, I think one of the phrases that I use from time to time is that 
life is a vehicle through which we get to know ourselves. And it sounds like you're having the experience of getting to know yourself in ways that you would not otherwise be getting to know if it weren't for these current circumstances. Mm. And it feels like such an honour for me to be accompanying you and witnessing you as you're getting to know yourself in Mm. these new ways. Thank you. Thank you for witnessing and holding space and sort of narrating what's happening too. That's a very valuable experience for me to have to be witnessed this way. Definitely unique as well in the way that you're doing it. So I'm very grateful. Thank you for your willingness to share this with your listeners. You know, it's a catch-22 for complex trauma survivors because trauma says exposure equals death. Yes. And grief says all I need is witnessing. And so complex developmental trauma survivors, out of necessity, we become phobic of our inner landscape. And we were taught how to grieve. Our developmentally appropriate upsets were not responded to in adequate or appropriate ways. And so we don't know how to respond to ourselves when life happens. And we can barely tolerate witnessing ourselves and our own pain. And so your capacity to be public with your grief your capacity to cry and smile and to cry and talk and to cry and be seen as well as to cry and receive says so much about how far you have already come and I hope I don't come across as minimizing what you're currently experiencing. However, it's important to name, to name this. Yeah. It doesn't feel like minimizing. It feels like, I feel like I needed that, what you just said, because it was like the thought process I had was, oh, I'm always crying. Maybe I'm just so uncontained. And then I was like, wait. You used to not cry at all, ever. And before that, you used to cry all the time. So you used to cry all the time. Then you didn't cry at all for like long times, like years at a time. And now you're feeling what you feel. So it is a healthy expression to be that this is the way you're supposed to feel when someone you love dies and when there's, you know, friction and strain with people you love and that you don't, you know, you want to feel connected with. And it feels it's just another loss on top of it when you, you know, each interaction where you try to connect and it isn't met is another loss in that moment. It doesn't, it's not a permanent loss, but, you know, it lands that way. Would it be okay if... (laughs) If, if in our wrapping up, I 
point out something that your body is asking for. Sure, please. So your hand is doing this. It's doing the reach. reach. Uh. Would it be okay if you slow that down and reach out towards me? Okay. I don't know what I was exactly doing, but I'll just. Yeah. Even as I begin to extend my hand, I feel something in my belly. Yeah. And, I, and I'm going to reach, just notice what happens in your body as my hand reaches out and wraps around your hand. I'm squeezing and you can squeeze back. Where's my hand? There it is <laughs> for, yeah. the, for the camera. <laughs> yeah. And just notice what it's like, yeah, to squeeze and to see me squeezing back. Mm. So nice. It feels so nice. I can feel like a expansiveness inside that's like my abdom- abdomen, like, just filling more with air and like movement and the release of constriction or contraction. So just notice that and stay with that. And then right before you did the reach, your hand did this, Mm. right? And you tucked your hair, yeah. But I'm wondering if it's okay for you to slow down that movement and let it become something let it become I don't know if that hand actually would prefer to sweep the face or to hold the back of the head but as you begin to track that little sweep just allow your body to to speak the action of attachment and it yeah it could it could simply be the striking of the forehead. That's what feels really nice. Nice. Yeah. And I feel like also this. Mm-hmm. And so notice what happens inside. A harder sensation to name, but mm-hmm. Like a a settling of some kind in my same kind of area from my diaphragm down to my like bottom mm-hmm. of my abdomen. Mm-hmm. And so something I do with my clients on Zoom is I mirror this view and then I offer it to you if you would like to experience me offering my hand reaching towards Mm -hmm. and then (laughs) you're sweeping your forehead I'm gonna touch okay yeah sweeping your forehead and then sweeping the side of your face Mm. that's really nice to imagine you touching yeah And so my invitation for you is to see if there's someone in your life who can perhaps do this for you. Hmm. 
Thank you. You are a very special person. I said magic before. I don't want to over <laughs> overdo it, but <laughs> I can hear my next clients at the door. Okay. Yeah. So we we will stop for now, and if it comes together as we intend, we may continue this conversation mm -hmm. in a, another week soon. I'll just follow up with you. Yeah. That's my cell phone number. Okay. Please text me. Okay. Thank yeah. you. And I will also include your contact information and website in this episode when it goes out that I'll just mm -hmm. share all that and you can go be with your client. So Linda, thank you so much from my soul for spending this time with me now and for sharing mm -hmm. this together for the benefit of our communities. You're very welcome. Thank you for being curious about me. And <laughs> okay, take care I'm of even yourself. more curious now. I want more. So, <laughs> yes. Thank you. You take care too. Okay. And I'll, I'll hope to now. be with you soon. Thank you. Thank you to Therapy Notes for sponsoring this week's episode. I do love Therapy Notes. It's such an asset to my business and makes my job as a practice owner and a therapist much easier. Try it today with no strings attached to see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.